Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Welcome to the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. We have a special show today. Uh, today's guest will be on Italian Impact Weekly. We're doing a simulcast. Uh, so we're not recording from the My Policy Quote studios in Swickley, Pennsylvania. I had to throw that plug in. But today's guest will be Mario Andretti. Uh, so he will be appearing on Italian Impact Weekly. We're also going to put that on our show, the Claudio Ralsano Show. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, sit back and enjoy an icon, a legend, and a wonderful guy. We've had him on our show before. And I uh, can't wait to have him on again. And uh, make sure that you uh, take a listen to our sponsors. Take a look at our sponsors. Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and my policy quote, call Lou Raggianti on his cell at 412-609-9963. Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly coming to you from Robert Morris University. I'm your host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano. And, you know, we've been talking about our guest today for quite a while, promoting it. And um, he means a ton to me, not just professionally, but personally. He has had so much impact in my life, both professionally and personally. And he's always been very kind to me and always had time for me to do shows. And I read stuff from him every day. I watch his interviews every day. And, uh, again, I cannot tell you what a thrill it is to interview the greatest race car driver ever and icon in, in life and that is Mr. Mario Andretti. Mario, thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure, Claudio. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mario. I'm, I'm not going to lie. If I'm allowed to be as giddy as a schoolgirl, I'm as giddy as a schoolgirl because this is awesome to talk to you. So we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mario, you have some quotes that I live by. We're going to start off with that. And the one that uh, is connected to you the most, probably, I'd like you to explain it a little bit further. And that is, if you have everything under control, you are not going fast enough. Please explain that one for our fans. Yeah, if, you have every, if everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. That's, that's the correct one. Okay. <laughs> that's what's in my book. Okay. okay. And uh, it basically, uh, when we were... Uh, the author and myself, you know, were putting together the the book uh, that uh, came out after my exit from uh, IndyCar racing in 1994. Uh, the author asked me, Mario, <clears throat> explain to me qualifying. And uh, this is the only way I could put it. Uh, you know, like when you're trying, when you're qualifying for a race or, you know, trying to set a record, I mean, uh you got it all on the line, and you're right at the edge of disaster, but you're staying there. I mean, you're still there. You you cannot leave an ounce on the table, not half of 1%, and uh, and that's it. That's the way I was saying. You know, it's uh, qualifying. Is, everything seems under control. You're just not going faster. You have to be almost almost to the, to the point of uh, disaster, if you will. Okay. And... Uh, it can, you know, I'll tell you something else. 
when they used to have uh, at the uh, the beginning of some of the motor racing events and wide world of sports, they used to have this um, uh, Austrian downhill Hans Klammer coming down the hill when he set a, a record on a downhill skiing. And I mean, talk about out of control, but you know, and that came to mind. And uh, I was driving in Austria in Formula One, and uh, with Nicky Lauda at dinner one night, he had Hans Klammer there. And I had a great time just chatting with him, you know, because of that. That stood with me, you know, as just a, uh, what it takes, you know, to, to set a record. So there you go. Okay. That's uh that's a that's a long version of that. No, no, that's good. Particular comment. Now the other one, uh, you've said it numerous times, but especially on this segment that uh, you're talking to the young Mario, which I loved that that piece. But um, something that I'm working on uh, is don't burn bridges. Uh, explain that one. Why did you come up with that one? Why did you say that? I think it's very important in life. Uh, what uh, you know, you have a lot of. Uh, relationships that you, you develop and especially in a very competitive community uh, you go from from our standpoint you go from team to team uh, you change sponsors and so forth and sometimes even the team that you change that you've not been as successful as you want it to be uh, you know separate or go away amicably because you never know when you have to revisit the situation. And I've seen examples of just being the opposite, you know. And, uh, and again, uh, it's, you see, uh, I'm looking in the context of uh, the sport, our, our sport. It's worldwide, but it's just one very close family. And uh, everybody knows, you know, everybody else is so on and so forth. So, uh, sooner or later, you have an uh, opportunity to revisit, and sometimes you revisit situations where we're not as uh, as you know as happy uh, as you would have wanted. But at the same time, uh, never really go away in a sour way because you may have to come back and then and sometimes put things right anyway. So okay, that's the way I look at it. And, and finally, on the quotes part of it. Uh, years ago, you were asked your biggest fear, and you said poverty, which is, is mine, obviously, besides health and, you know, my family, something happening then, but poverty. Uh, I always worry about taking care of my family. That's, that's number one for me. That's why I do all the things that I do. Uh, tell us why you said that. Well, <clears throat> so many things uh, happen in our lives, even, you know, uh, uh, during my formative years, uh, you know, uh, it started in uh, after the war in Italy. Uh, the region where I was born uh, was occupied by Yugoslavia, uh, you know, in 1947. And, uh, and you know, my dad lost everything, everything. And actually, uh, it was a choice, either succumb to communism and then uh, and, and work for the state and give up everything that you own. And, um, you know, he owned seven farm over, you know, 2,000 acres and so on and so forth, 2,100 actually, to be exact. And uh, and then, you know, here we're in a refugee camp and uh, in our own country, 
you know, for seven and a half years. And um, unemployment, you know, was uh, rampant, you know, after the war and all that. And so anyway, uh, and it's that thing, like how he had to fight to sort of to get back and provide for the family, which he always did. As kids, we always went to the best school. We were always dressed well. You know, we were never hungry, never cold. You know what I mean? But sure. but it was always that limit. And then we came to the States and start from scratch and all that. And uh, and that's one thing. And one, when I got married, uh, I was married young, had a family young, and I was uh, uh, in a game, in a sport that uh, obviously uh, was much more danger, dangerous than it is today. So I wanted to be able to provide and make sure that something happens to me, you know, my family's cared for and so on and so forth. So, and and that brought back the the trust, you know, fact of potentially, you know, leaving my wife and kids, you know, uh, in a poverty situation. So I, you know, what I mean, so. Uh, as much as I, you know, everybody said, okay, I love driving a race car, you know, more than anything. And I always said, I never did it just for the money, but, but that's the only way that I could make a living. And I always went for the big pie, you know, that's like right. uh, the best contract, the best that I could. Sure. And, and then I tried to produce. So, you know, it was that kind of a thing. No, I can certainly appreciate that mentality for sure. Steve? Well, Barrio, again, that's a, you know, that's a very interesting point because a lot of, I think, one of the things that Claudia always talked about is kind of like that story that everyone has. You know, not everyone, they see Mario Andretti now. They don't see Mario Andretti as a kid. They don't see what you came out of and the work that you had to put into that. I'm curious, was there a point in your career when you, when you thought, okay, I made it? I'm good, and now I'm just doing this, you know, I don't want to say for fun, but I'm just doing it for the extra money, for fun. But was there a point in your life when you realized, okay, I made it, we're not going to be poor? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, there were different stages of my career where I felt, and I, when I had time to reflect and look back, what if this wouldn't have happened? What if that wouldn't It's almost like a launching pad because, you know, in any you know, sporting profession, I mean, uh, it, you know, there's, there's no way you can be, you can predict anything. And, uh, and, but there are certain levels that propel you to the next level, you know, and uh, you're coming through the ranks. And then, uh, uh, and I, you know, when I was, you know, when I started racing, Aldo and I, my twin brother, we won our first race. Oh my goodness, you know, and then we, we know, we kept winning, crashing, and everything, else, but we won our first race. Uh, and when I moved into, uh, you know, midgets, when I wanted to come out of uh, stock cars, they were going to an open wheel, and I won the biggest race in, uh, in the three quarter midgets. And then after that, the next thing was full size midgets. And here on the Labor Day 63, 23 years of age, I won three features in one day, which launched me into the next direction of uh, in the sprint cars to go into top level. And there I won the 100 lapper in, in Indiana, Salem, Indiana, uh, with uh, the Foyts, Parnelli Jones, and all the top drivers there, Don Branson. Here I win, and that, that brought me to the top level. You see what I mean? It just, right. It's moments like that in life 
that you feel, you know what, maybe I belong here. And and I'll tell you another one, you know, in the back of my mind, because I fell in love with the motor racing, as I told you, when I was still, you know, just a, a youngster, a, a young teenager uh, still living in Italy. And, uh, and my absolute idol, Alberto Scotti, you know, world champion in the 50s and so forth. And uh, so Formula One was always in the back of my mind, you know, that someday in my career I want to do Formula One. And then when I had the opportunity in 1968, and my first Grand Prix was at Watkins Glen, and I put the car on pole. And that was, I was as surprised as anybody else. Who was next to me? Jackie Stewart, world champion. Mm. And so... When you when you go home that night, when you reflect on things, you, know, you go back to the hotel. Really, had to race the next day, uh, and you think, you know what? Maybe I do belong here. Maybe uh, you see what I mean. It's, right. you know, it almost validates what you're trying to do because there's always some doubt. You know, I mean, you don't want to take. You know, uh, there's always some doubt. I wonder if I'm good enough. I wonder if this and that. And whenever something like this happens. That's when they figure, you know what, maybe I do belong here, and I'm fine. I'm loving this. I mean, you know, thank you. Uh, you, you see what I mean? Right. Those are the incredible moments in your life. It sounds like you were just taking it almost, I want to say, almost sound like the cliche of one race at a time, and then as you're winning, you're kind of realizing, wow, I'm pretty good. And then, you know, it, it's, it's got to be interesting to just look back. I mean, you've obviously you've had a one of the best careers, if not the best career ever, and to look back at that, it's got to be something. But, I mean, even during that time, was there a point where you said, okay, I can't do this forever, though? You know, did you did you have those moments ever happen, like maybe later on in your career? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate in, in my career to, uh, to have been able to, uh, you know, to sort of uh, – continue and 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 somehow not be involved in in accidents that could have set me back uh, terribly i only missed two races in my entire career because of uh of injuries and uh and so uh i and i didn't want to quit i mean i i that was the toughest decisions ever you could imagine but i was pushing the envelope big time I mean, I was at top level, like in Indy cars, for instance, and uh, I was the oldest driver. Still, I'm the oldest driver to win an Indy car race at age 53. But at age 54, I felt, you know what? Before I start, you know, for some reason, and that you never know when that moment comes when you're not as competitive as you want it to be. I didn't want to have those memories, you know, negative memories of my career. So I made a decision to retire at 54 and that came to a surprise even to my wife because I that's probably the only thing I didn't talk about I just uh, I wanted to make that decision myself and uh, it's really really tough I didn't want to give up racing and uh, you know was, but you know I gave up <clears throat> uh, in basically I retired from open wheel but then I drove at least four Le Mans races and I won you know, in 1995, uh, I won uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans class, and uh, I finished second overall class. 
And so at least I was scratching my itch, if you will. Right. You know, I I was, you know, I gave up, you know, the main top level of, of the sport, but I was still, you know, just dabbling in it. And then even until, you know, years, I still driving a two-seater race car. Still, you know, I still wanted, you know, <laughs> have some involvement in it. And uh, that part will never leave me, I don't think. I think, uh, you know, when 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 that's no longer desired, then uh, they put me in a box. <laughs> you know, that's funny because um, a lot of people, they say, oh, this athlete needs to retire. They need to retire. It's like, it, well, that's your life. That's your passion. You can't just, I don't think people understand you can't just walk away. It's easy for me to sit on the sidelines and go, oh, that quarterback's too old or, or he's too old to race. But you're the one that has to make that decision. And, and you yeah, said it, until yeah. I can't compete, I'm going to do something to keep, you know, to keep, keep my passion alive. Yes. yes. You know, uh, Mario, Greg Norman, the golfer, said that he wanted to prepare his career, his post-career, golf career, when he was no longer number one golfer in the world, and that stuck with me. I know for me with baseball, I want to prepare, even though I've been coaching now for 40 years, um, one of these days baseball, either professionally or collegiately, isn't going to want me, or maybe, just maybe, I may not want it. So I'm trying to prepare for down the road. I'm getting involved in speaking, of course, and a bunch of shows. You know all the things I do. I send them to you all the time. But um, was there something that you wanted to do when racing was finished? Well, I didn't have a clear picture, quite honestly, but uh, I always felt that uh, with all the relationships that, uh, you know, that obviously I developed uh, through my years, uh, something will come up. And then here was another event where, uh, you know, one of the top, uh, uh, I should say, executives uh, in one of the oil companies that uh, were part of a sponsorship uh, uh, the, because of movements in the company, uh, uh, he was deciding not to continue with the company and then uh, look at uh, some other opportunities. And uh, and and I decided to uh, say, you know what? So let's have a drink. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, I, said, I don't know what your stipend is. I said, but I'm gonna, I want to hire you. I give you a 20% raise. I had no idea what the hell he was making. Could have been making millions. <laughs> I said, but uh, I want you to 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 come to work with me. And he said, doing what? I said, I have no idea. I said, but we'll develop something. And uh, you know something? A man like that with pride, he wasn't just going to take the money. He came up with a plan. And the plan turned out to be uh, a life-changing situation as far as the business uh, that we developed, and it's a petroleum business. And uh, so um, I'm not going to go into those details, but, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a partnership that I have with my son Michael and uh, and this gentleman and myself. And, you know, so that gave me some uh, okay, sense of uh, security, if you will. Not that I really, you know, there was not an issue, you know, as far as the financial side, but... Uh, uh, it also gives you another sense of purpose, you know, to just develop something um, and uh, surround yourself with, with the right people. Uh, always very important, you know, just to have the best people in the business. Um, to, uh, the only 
that's the only chance and opportunity you have to succeed. And um, and then you go on. And we're using, you know, we use a lot of the same basic um, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, way to look at things like within in, in racing. This gentleman, he, like he called me every day. He's in California. Our businesses are on the West Coast. So, he called me like uh, you know, uh, eight eight o'clock, seven thirty in the morning. It's uh, three hours earlier there, you know. It, it's uh, you know, it's someone that uh, that's really on it. So it's kind of a and every time you know something uh, really good is happening on the business. Says, hey Mario, we just won another race today. Mm-hmm. You know, we're using that aspect of it. You know, like the competitive aspect of just trying to better ourselves ourselves every single day and treat the people that are working for us, you know, in such a way that they really, really, really want to contribute and want to, you know, uh, uh, better themselves, uh, have the opportunity, obviously, to, uh, uh, to you know, to, to again, you know, to, to progress and all that. So all those things. How does it make you feel whenever you hear these stories of athletes who made millions and millions of dollars and and they lose it either one reason or another you know overspending or or divorces or lawsuits or what drugs whatever it is they do for me it it gets to me and it really bothers me Uh, and I always worry and I always will worry I always will worry about making a buck I I never want to be in that position my dad always used to say you know keep the wolf away from the door and um, when I hear these stories, it just gets to me. What, what goes through your mind when you see these well-to-do athletes just lose everything? Well, you know, it's a shame to see that, obviously, and I think uh, it spells very clearly a sense of irresponsibility. Uh, that, that's all. I, that's the only way I can put it. But it's a personal thing, you know. It's um, you know, you can't fix everybody, and uh, uh, some people just uh, don't have that sense. You know, of, uh, of, of <laughs> trying to do the right thing. You know sure. what I mean? They yeah. just uh, they live for the minute, and that's it. And uh, but that's that's something that uh, again, you, you look at them and say that's too bad. But uh, uh, you know, I, I have no, there's no respect, <laughs> for, you know, for anyone like that. But was your father instrumental in you having that philosophy? Like again, my dad and my mom used to tell me. Uh, you know, hide it, right? Not maybe like Marciano used to do, you know, and, and maybe not to that extreme, but that that fear of losing everything. Did your dad, being of that uh, era, talk to you about things like that and your mom? Well, it's not that we talked. I think you see, you observe, and then and, and, uh, you see, like, uh, for instance, my dad, over and above everything else, he made sure that we are comfortable that we don't in any way uh, suffer and and I, I looking back when you reflect on those moments uh, you know what and my dad had tremendous sense of pride also mm-hmm. which that's if anything that's something that uh, I think it sort of uh, uh, was passed on you know to myself and, and to my, my brother Aldo um, and, uh, and I think that's what it takes, really. Uh, uh, it's it's something to have basic desires uh, to uh, and, and what actually uh, 
what melts your butter type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In life, <laughs> you know, what's better than being able to uh, uh, create something that's almost impossible and make, and when you achieve something that's almost impossible, the satisfaction that you derive from that is, I mean, that, that's a tremendous uh, feeling that, um, uh, you know, is unequaled. Uh, like when I started winning my first race, man, second wasn't not, wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> Once you start, you know, uh, Vince Lombardi said, winning isn't everything. It's the, it's only, the thing. only thing. That's you know right. what I mean? And right. that's what you go after. You're not going to win them all, but you know what? With this, the, the, this mindset, uh, you're your chances are pretty damn good. <laughs> right. Steve? So let me ask you then, you know, you you mean you've had, I mean, put the career aside, even from a business perspective, a life perspective, you've just been, you seem like you've just been successful at everything and not everybody can say that. What do you, you know, what do you tell our listeners? What, what are some of the just general secrets that you say, listen, if you want to be successful in life and success isn't always measured in money. I mean, there's different ways to be happy. You don't necessarily need $20 million in the bank to be happy. I mean, there are a lot of unhappy millionaires, and there are a lot of very happy poor people. But, but to be successful, ultimately, is some kind of happiness. What, what would you tell people? So this is, this is my opinion of how to be happy and successful in life. What does that mean to you? Well, I wish I had that formula. I would bottle <laughs> it and sell it. You know, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, a lot of it is just a personal thing. I mean, in life... Uh, I, you know, you know that there's nothing worthwhile in life that will will come to you unless you sacrifice and work hard for. It. I mean, it's uh, you're a total dreamer if you just think of that, you know. So, uh, but how badly do you want something? You know, I I was always driven by passion and a burning desire to accomplish something, and. Uh, and I was reaching for the stars, you know, obviously when the dream seemed absolutely impossible. But how do you, I mean, not every person has that, you know what I mean? So, uh, like I said, but the only thing that I say, if you really want something bad enough, just work for it, you know what, and don't have a plan B, just go for it. And, And sooner or later, you stay on it, you're going to be able to accomplish it. That's that's the only thing, the only formula that could work for you. There's no magic anywhere. You know, if any people think that there's magic, well, then they're dreaming, they'll continue just dreaming. (laughs) But, but, you know, you said something just very interesting. I've never heard anyone say they don't have, almost don't have a plan B, go for your plan A. That's pretty good because the funny thing is we're here – you know, coming from a, a university studio. And so you've got a lot of students, you know, walking around here. And, um, you, you know, I, I don't know if it's a generational thing. You know, maybe everybody, maybe everybody thinks this way. But when people are younger, it's almost like they're like chirping birds in a nest. And, and it seems to me what I see is I don't see a lot of people seem to really have that drive anymore. I, I don't know if it's just, a, if it's just a, like I said, is it because I've gotten older now? Um, but, you know, when you, when you look back, I mean – it sounds like, did you ever not have that drive? Was this all like when you were young, were you like, all I remember was I wanted to just win race cars and start there. Is that, is that how you always seem to have been driven? As long as I remember, as long as I remember reasoning, uh, I was just captured by that, you know, that 
uh, motor racing was very prominent in the, in the 50s in, the, in, in Italy because, uh, you know, the, the protagonists were, you know, Ferrari, Maserati, Romeo, you know, and, and they got uh, Italian world champions. That really captured my imagination. And, and Aldo, my, my twin brother Aldo, the same. And, um, and even while we were in the refugee camp back, you know, still in the 50s, and we, we came over in 1955, but in 1954, some friends took us to the Italian Grand Prix in Monza, see the Italian Grand Prix, and, and I saw firsthand my idol, Alberto Scotti, uh, racing, and I said, I want to be like him. You know that uh, I won Monza. That's where I actually clinched the world championship. I mean, you talk about coming full circle, can you imagine how I felt that day when that happened? You know, it's in 1978. And, and so, again, you go through life and you said, but going back to not having a plan B, that's exactly when this mold was cast. And, uh, I, I, you know, in my own mind, if I would have said it out loud, someday, you know, I'd like to try to be, you know, as, as a young kid you're allowed to to dream right but if i would have said it out loud you know people will laugh at you type of thing but you're you know at that age you're allowed to dream and uh you know you're talking about students so even in our own family you know when you have, when they go to college and uh, you talk to them okay uh, what's your pursuit uh, and so on and so forth and and i don't want to hear well i'll just wait and see i'm just trying this and that and i think oh my god you know but when someone says, you know, we know I want to be a doctor, I want to, you know what, that's, you're going to be the best, you know, because you know where you're going. And that, that's so, so important to be able to, in life, to formulate what you want to pursue. Um, and uh, otherwise, you just so, you will forever be hunting for something that's really not there. That's you know, the way I see it. We have a few more minutes here with you but one quick comment you know when you said that you went to your first race with Aldo you knew what you wanted to do and I told you this through letters and on the show you were on before with me August 19th 1973 I was eight years old I went to my first pirate game and that day I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life I didn't know if I had any talent in it or not but I knew what I wanted to no, do and to be yeah, yeah and, and, and I had no plan B. I went after it full blast. I had my parents' support, and I worked extremely hard at it, and thank God things went the way they did. But um, there was a lot of adversity along the way, and I was told no along the way. Um, yeah. People look at you in your career, and they see the baby, but they don't see the labor pains. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, so ending here our show, how did you and how do you deal with no and adversity? Well, here again, you just uh, you got to keep doing it. If you just don't give up, you know, there's always a way to skin the cat, as they say. You know, you just keep at it. You know, you have to have that uh, state of mind. You know what? Uh, uh, somehow, I'm going to find a way. And you know, I've been knocked down. I mean, uh, uh, it's, at the beginning, you know, like throughout my career, when I was trying to progress through the ranks. Uh, was the one uh, sanctioning body was called United Racing or URC. I mean, uh, I was actually embarrassed, you know, by, uh, you know, some of these owners, you know, they're saying, 
uh, oh, you're, you know, you're not strong enough. You're, you know, you're, you're physically, you know, you're not big enough to be able to drive a sprint car. Well, later on, you know, obviously this, you know, they never gave me a ride, but they said, oh, yeah, I thought Mario, everything, this and that. You see what I mean? It's just, uh, uh, but did I let, did I allow that to discourage me? I mean, uh, uh, something you need, you need to know this business, but uh, in 1964, um, at the Langhorn 100, um, you know, Langhorn was the toughest race, a dirt race, because 100, 100 miler and a, they called the big car, the champ cars. And uh, I was the, the first driver, the first one to finish the race, you know, I was ninth. But without a power steering, which mm. was kind of unheard of, What's you know, my, my my hands were like hamburger, you know, like uh, blisters all over. But you know what? I, you just you know you just do it. You just do it, and uh, and those are the things that uh, I mean. But it takes, uh, like I said, it takes desire, a burning. I was driven always by burning desire to achieve what I was after, and. Um, and you're not going to get it done uh, uh, without that because uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of stumbling blocks, a lot of bumps in the road you have to overcome. Sure. Mario, again, I want to, first I want to say grazie mille per tutto. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at you and they look at now and they don't understand this is a day, every day you were, you were climbing in and, and doing what you had to do to win. You didn't win every race, but you certainly won enough of them to be one of the best, if not the best driver in the history. And I, I know I speak for myself when I say it has been an absolute privilege to speak to you today. And I'm so grateful and thankful that you joined us on the show. And Claudio, you want to take us away? Mario, you, you talked about Alberto Ascari several times. And uh, trust me when I tell you, you're that for me, uh, for whatever that's worth. You. Um, um, and, and I write you all the time, and I tell you when I do things, and, and you have a piece of that. As corny as that is, that, that's the way it is. You have inspired me um, for years, and, uh, again, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that, and you've always had time for me for my shows and, and all that, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you're very kind. It's my pleasure. Uh, sure. And don't get tired of uh, hearing from me from my letters and stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. All, All right. right. Thank you again. I appreciate right. it. My pleasure. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. When I talk to my mom, she can't understand me. She gets so cranky and irritable. Well, your mother's ears cannot understand speech sounds, and that leaves her trying to guess what you said. This makes conversation exhausting for her. Can we help her? Yes, Julie. Once we improve her hearing, she'll be less frustrated and be able to enjoy talking with you again. If your loved one needs help hearing and understanding, call the Roscoe Hearing Center at 814-375-0455. Hearing solutions with the care you've been looking for. 
offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Are you tired of paying too much for health insurance? With those enormous premiums, you lose yardage, then get sacked with all the upfront costs. What are you paying for? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963. 